It's always good to be back in town. Now, some of you thought we were, we went to a wedding, a family friend's wedding, um, and then took a few days. Some of you thought we were in Seattle. Some of you thought we were in Nashville. And in Seattle was the, the, you know, it's going really poorly in regard to the coronavirus, but we were actually on our way from Tulsa, where the wedding was, to Nashville. And uh, our, our girls that were with us, we caravan, they met us there, and we drove down and met them in Tulsa. Uh, great week at the wedding. We're on our way, and they had some friends in Little Rock, Arkansas, going through Little Rock, Arkansas. Can you pull me down just a little bit? In Little Rock, Arkansas, and uh, the coffee time ended up being a little bit more lunch and dinner, and so we ended up staying. We said, we'll stay in Little Rock tonight. Well, that was the night the tornado hit Nashville. And uh, we would have been in the middle of the rainstorm, probably not in the tornado, but uh, uh, as you know, one of my daughters, uh, soon both of them will be living in the area. This tornado was the most destructive tornado in the history of America because it landed, it hit the ground, and it stayed on the ground so long, and it went through residential areas of a city. It was just, just an incredible... Uh, and stories that are coming out, how God preserved, and, you know, there was loss of life and uh, tremendous things. If you want to donate to something, um, go to Franklin Graham's site and donate towards the Nashville tornado. Uh, just some horrendous uh, uh, things down there. Uh, but it was... It was something that God preserved us from directly. And so uh, we want to thank you for your prayers uh, during this time as well. And I know that you, you pray. We also, um, we know that Howard Etchison passed away the last week too. A wonderful service on, on Friday. Marlene and the family are here today. And you may want to express your condolences to them. Um, Howard had a great impact, not only on this church, but at church plants and in the entire denomination. And, and uh, he's looking down today. He's, he's in a better place. And so we're, uh, he suffered a long time. But uh, we're grateful that, that he was, had, had a home going that was honoring to Jesus. And, uh, and uh, many of you have known him for many years and will miss him. But uh, uh, we're grateful that we will see him again, so we're confident of that. Once upon a time, or so the story goes, there was a prince and there was a pauper. Two sons born to a king, identical twins, heirs to the throne, who were separated at birth. One ended up a prince living in the castle, the other a pauper living on the streets. Both were born with a birthright. The prince experienced all the benefits of his birthright, the prosperity, the, the privilege, and the wealth. The pauper experienced only poverty, hunger, and destitution. Until one day, they had a chance meeting. The two discovered they looked remarkably alike. The prince wanted freedom to do as he pleased, free from the restraints of the royal court. And the pauper wanted to find out how the privileged live. So, as the story goes, they decided to trade places, or they traded spaces. Both deserved the palace space because both were children of the king. 
In their case, circumstances, not choice, separated them. And of course, as the story unfolds, they traded spaces until their relationship was discovered. By virtue of their birthright, they were both restored into full relationship with their father, the king. It's a great story with a message, the prince and the pauper. Certain things comes to each each of us by virtue of our birth, by virtue of our birthright. Our name, our family, our identity, our, our roots, our history, our heritage, even abilities and natural talents come to us by birthright. What country we were born in, what family we were born into. We don't earn any of those things. They're totally undeserved. They come to us by virtue of where and to whom we were born. I was born in Japan. My parents were missionaries in Japan, and so I was born in Japan of parents who were citizens of the United States, descended from Norwegian immigrants. You say, that's why I'm so messed up. (laughs) My birthright, by virtue of my birth circumstances, made me a, a United States citizen. But I had the opportunity to become a citizen of Japan at age 18, only because of my birth circumstances. Now, the fact that I remembered hardly any Japanese language at 18 largely influenced my decision to become a United States citizen. All of us have certain rights by virtue of the circumstances of our birth. Now, we are in the middle. We're studying the book of Genesis, and there's an interesting story in Genesis that also addresses the issue of birthright. Birthright. It's actually a very significant story about birthright and trading spaces. And I want us to read about it today as we look at this passage, Genesis 25, 19. It's on page 19 in the Bible in the rack in front of you. Genesis 25, 19, starting with verse 19. It was here this morning. There it is. Okay. Sometimes I do that too. I know some of you do that too. 25, uh, verse 19. This is the account of Abraham's son Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from Paddan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife Rebekah became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her, and she said, Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. The two peoples from within you will be separated. One will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red. His whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand. By the way, Esau makes perfect sense, right? I'm not sure why that makes sense. Anyway, after this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, and he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was a quiet man staying among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once 
when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country, famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That is why he is also called Edom. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank, and then he got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Even before their birth, Jacob and Esau were jostling for position. They were trading spaces. But what happened after they were born? What happened after they were born? Today we're going to talk about birthright in the historical sense and draw some parallels to birthright in the spiritual sense. Birthright. One in our story valued birthright. The other despised his birthright. And before we are done, I want us to answer two questions. Number one, what is our birthright as followers of Jesus? What, what does our birthright consist of? And number two, do I value or despise my birthright? What is my birthright and do I value or despise it? So let's start with the gift of birthright, Roman numeral one. The background. First, birthright is a gift. It's, it's not earned. In the Old Testament, the birthright was given by virtue of being born first. If you were the firstborn, you got the birthright. It's out of the person's control. You see, God is in charge. God is in control. And he was the one who chose who to give their birthright to, which was the firstborn. And of course, all the firstborns here today says, yes. How many of you have firstborns? Okay. Yeah, you guys like this passage, I can tell. In Deuteronomy, the birthright consisted of a double portion of the father's inheritance. So if the father's estate was worth, uh, let's say, a million dollars, and he has three sons, the oldest gets $500,000, and the other two get 250000 each upon the father's death. And as the youngest of three sons, I don't much like that concept, but that's, that's the concept that we find on birthright. In the days of patriarchs, Adam, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the birthright also made you the chief, the chieftain. In other words, you were going to rule over the whole family. You were in charge. It's a pretty good deal if you were the firstborn. For Abraham's descendants, the most important part of the birthright was possession of the blessing of the promise, including the future possession of Canaan, which is Israel today, and the covenant fellowship with Jehovah God. In other words, it gave you possession and it gave you relationship with God. They say, great, that's ancient history. What does that have to do with us today? Well, we also have been given birthright. We've been given birthright. It's not earned. It's a gift. It's a gift given to us at our new birth. And at our new birth, we receive a birthright. In John 3, 1 through 5, there's a story about Jesus talking about this new birth. This is the first time we really understand a little bit more about what this means. It says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. 
In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Unless he is born again. Born again. There's a, there's a physical birth and there's a spiritual birth. And obviously all of us who are born physically, we're all here. We are, and those of us that trusted in Jesus, we are born again in a spiritual birth. And Jesus tells Nicodemus, we must be born from above or born spiritually. And like our physical birth, we cannot orchestrate our spiritual birth. We choose to follow Jesus. We choose to respond. But it's God through his Holy Spirit who gives us this new life. It's born from above. It's the work of the Spirit of God. It's God's work in us that brings this new birth in each and every one of us. In John 1, 10 to 13, he says, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave right the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. That describes the process of being born again. The new birth. Children of God, born of God. It's not earned. It's not worked for. It's just like our birth. We had nothing to do with that. We just showed up. And this new birth is given by God's grace when we place our trust in Jesus. Birthright. We have been given a birthright by virtue of being born into God's family. Does that make sense? Everybody with me? I'm going to make sure we're here together today. Romans 8, 16 to 17 says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Powerful statement that when we have this birthright, we're co-heirs with God. We're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So when you become a believer and you're born again, you become an heir or an inheritor of God. You now have a birthright. It's a birthright. Just like in the Old Testament, we have possession of that, and we also have a relationship with God. Now, let's break it down in more simple terms. What does that mean today to have this birthright? It's critical that, that we understand our birthright and our heritage to know who we are. Otherwise, we will live our entire life as a pauper, poor, hungry, and destitute. Instead of living like a child of the king, a prince with all the gifts, rights, and privileges of a child of God. Now, I'm going to list 15 things. This is not exhaustive. It's illustrative, but it gives us a picture of some of the things that come along with this birthright. Again, God gives us this by virtue of being born again, and we are in relationship with God. We are children of the King of kings and Lord of lords. We're not paupers. We're princes in the kingdom. Remember, these are not earned. They're given by virtue of our birth, by God's grace. Let's look at that. Promised possessions. 
some of the things. Number one, forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins. By virtue of being born again, we have forgiveness of our sins. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Not everybody has that. Not every, but not every religion has forgiveness of sins. Most religions, you have to pay or you have to appease a God of some sort. You can't just confess your sins and ask him to forgive. That's our birthright. Our birthright is forgiveness of sins. It's your birthright. Number two, peace with God. Peace with God. Therefore, since we have been justified, past tense, through faith, we have, present tense, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God because of what, what Jesus did. In other words, God's not our enemy. He's not against you. He's for you. There's that open relationship. Many people live their entire life thinking God's mad at them. Has God, have you ever thought God is mad at you? <laughs> I, I have. God's mad at me. I, I must have done something wrong. God's mad at me. No. Our birthright is peace with God, that open relationship. And one of the things I I, I ascertain every time if I'm visiting someone who is in the last stages of life is I want to make sure that they know they have peace with God, that they are seen in right relationship with God. The last time I talked with Howard, I asked him, I said, do you know you have peace with God? He said, oh, yes. <laughs> he was like, no question. He's, he, was, he was ready. Peace with God. Then you also have peace with life. Peace with life. John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Oh, we need those words today. The, the peace, peace with, with, with self. Peace with our world. Peace with our circumstances. We live in this turmoil. I, things have been happening so fast in the last three weeks. You know, just the, the coronavirus thing, the, the economic downturn, just all the things that are happening. We have people that are, that are in the restaurant industry in Seattle, and all the restaurants are closing because they don't need them, so they're going to work in grocery stores because everybody's going to buy toilet paper. So that's kind of, they have the stock. I mean, it's just, it's like this turmoil of, and some people are just out of work. They can't work. I mean, there, there is uncertainty. And talk about a disruption of peace. And you may be here in that kind of circumstance just because of this coronavirus issue that's happening. But people go through these kinds of circumstances in life all the time. How can we have peace in the middle of that? That's your birthright, is to have peace. Comes from God. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Your birthright. Number four, righteousness. Righteousness. Romans 5.19 says, For just as through the disobedience of one man there many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man Jesus the many will be made righteous. What does that say? Righteousness means right relationship with God. God is pleased with you. When he looks at you, he sees you as sinlessly perfect. When, when we confess our sins and, and that, all that happens, we make our right relationship with God. He doesn't look at you and say, well, you're not perfect. And boy, you know. No, he sees us as righteous, as sinlessly perfect through the blood of Jesus Christ. Right? It's your birthright. It's your birthright. Number five, power. 
power. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Do we have any battle for truth or battle for anything today? I mean, look at the battle that's going on in our political realm, works out in the political realm, all the things that we're dealing with. We have the power to demolish those arguments the strongholds, that's the power you have been given. When the Holy Spirit comes on us, we have the power. God has given us power. That power is your birthright. It's your birthright. Number six, answered prayer. Answered prayer. First John five fourteen to 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Now, answer prayers, that's a huge topic. But the main thing that we need to know is that prayer is our birthright. We have access to God. Instant access to God. Instant access. The spirit interceding on our behalf. We pray, God hears, and God acts. That's that's your birthright. It's part, part of the deal, part of the package. Ephesians 3.12 says, In him and through him in faith, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. There are a lot of stories we can read about uh, President Lincoln. But one of the most incredible stories I remember that impressed me the most about President Lincoln was his relationship with his sons. And that any time they wanted to, any time his son wanted to, he'd just come in and, and interrupt him. He was interruptible. He was accessible no matter what. He was president. It didn't matter. His children had access to him directly. Well, we can interrupt God anytime. Sometimes we feel like I'm an interruption. God, I'm coming. Oh, no, it's Mark again. I don't, I, he, he came last week. Why is he doing this for? I, I don't know. It's, we, we can interrupt God. And it's not an interruption, but anytime. We have access to God. That is your birthright as a child of God. Access God. Pray. Number seven, dignity and value. Genesis 1.27. So God created man or humans in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Created in the, in the image of God. This sense, this dignity that God gave us. Our value. That's birthright. That's, that's part of your birthright. Purpose, number eight. Direction. Goals, a, a reason to exist. Sometimes we wonder, what am I, what, what am I on earth for? What is, what is my purpose? He's given us all purposes and, and reason to exist. Number nine, abundant life. John 10, 10. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Not just some kind of existence that just barely gets along. He says, I want you to have life to the full. That is your birthright. It's your birthright. Number 10, prosperity. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. 
prosperity. You read Psalm 1 and talks about the, the man who follows God and stays connected to God and how whatever he does or whatever she does, whatever that person does, will prosper, will prosper. It's a birthright. Jesus ministered to the rich and the poor, but the poor, sick, and diseased, once healed, didn't stay that way. They prospered in their lives. And God wants us to prosper in whatever we put our hands to. Number 11, eternal life. 1 John 5, 11 to 12. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. This life is in his son. He who has the son, Jesus, has the life. He who does not have the son of God does not have the life. Eternal life. There's a sure destiny. And we're reminded of this all the time as we see the fragility of life. And there are people around us that, that, that have passed away recently. There were, I think it was 24 that died in the tornado in Nashville. We're losing life with the coronavirus. We have people that die from various, various causes. And, and the fact is, someday we're going to all die. The, the, the mortality rate for all, all males and females is 100%. But we don't have to worry and be concerned about that because your destiny is sure because it's part of your birthright. You have been given, by virtue of your new birth in Jesus Christ, you've been given immortality and eternal life. You will live forever in the presence of Jesus. Your birthright. Number 12, victory. We all want to win. We all want to be winners. Romans 8, 37 says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Victory, it's your birthright. Number 13, authority. Matthew 28, 18 to 19. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples. Your birthright, authority. Truth. John 8, 33. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's your birthright. Freedom, number 15, Romans 6, 6 7. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. Why? That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died spiritually has been freed from sin. Freedom, that, that's your birthright. Your birthright. All of these and more have been given to you because you've been born again. Born into God's royal family. They are your birthright. And the burning question is, so what? So what? A lot of these things we know. So what? What do we do with our birthright? What do we do? Let's look at the responsibility of birthright. There's a contrast in our passage between Jacob and Esau. Now, Jacob was not perfect, okay? Obviously, you read through that and you say, how can he be the chosen uh, person of God? He was, a, he was a scoundrel at times. But he valued birthright. He valued it because he knew the true blessings were spiritual. The covenant, uh, the covenant promise, the relationship with Yahweh, the possession of all God's blessings. Now, his method for obtaining this birthright was was despicable. It was, it was not good. I, I, I keep thinking there must have been another way God could have done that, but, you know, God works through 
all kinds of means and methods. But there's not one word in the Bible condemning Jacob for his method. But there is condemnation of Esau. Let's look at Esau. Esau was not perfect either. He was materialistic. He was worldly. He was more concerned about his immediate appetites, short-term satisfaction, than the long-term blessings of God. He traded. He traded places. He traded spaces. He was not necessarily immoral physically, but he was immoral spiritually. Hebrews 12, 16 talks about it. It says, see that no one is sexually immoral or godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Esau despised his birthright. Despised his birthright. He didn't value it. Didn't value his birthright. There are some parallels today to you and to me. You and I have birthright. We have all the possessions of God, the possessions. We have a relationship with God. The question is, what do I do with my birthright? What do I do with my birthright? Do I sell out? Do I, do I despise it? Do I, do I trade spaces? Will I, am I willing to just exchange it for a single meal? Very quickly, I want to contrast some of the, our possessions with selling it. Some will exchange forgiveness for guilt. Rather than living in forgiveness, living in guilt. Now, that doesn't mean you'll never feel guilty, because there are times we ought to feel guilty with something we did. But exchanging forgiveness and living in guilt. Some people live their entire life with guilt. That's an exchange of your birthright for something not right. Guilt. Exchange peace of God with God and stay in conflict with, with him or others. He wants us to have this open peace relationship with God, and we exchange that for conflict. Peace with life for life in turmoil. That's probably the hardest thing not to deal with, or to, when we deal with, because there are so many circumstances that try to rob us of peace. Our birthright is peace. Don't despise it. Embrace it. They exchange righteousness for compromise and sin. Some people spend their whole life trying to see how close can I get to the world and still stay a Christian? How close can I, how much can I get away with and still go to heaven? I got to keep this get to heaven pass and I got to keep that, but I want to do whatever I can. That's exchanging righteousness for compromise. Exchange our power for a powerless, ineffective, weak life. They're just cowardly Christians, people that are just cowardly in their, they, they don't want to embrace the power that we have. God has given us incredible power as a birthright. And I, a lot of times we'll talk to husbands and fathers who have exchanged the, the power of God to lead and to transform their families for things that are just not worth very much. Toys, diversion, fun, pleasure, even work and career, things that we just count as important. And in comparison to what God wants to give us, a birthright, it's, it's, just, it's just stew. It's like tomato soup. Nothing. Number six, exchange answered prayer for prayerlessness. 
God calls us to pray expectantly, praying boldly. That's part of our birthright. Now, we go on on and on. Sometimes we trade in our dignity and value, purpose, abundant life. We can trade in any of these things, trading spaces. And I'm here today to, to encourage you not to trade your place, not to trade your space, not trade your birthright for anything less. How have you handled your birthright in the past? And how are you handling your birthright today? Like Jacob? Or like Esau? None of us would ever admit that we despise our birthright, but many times by our very actions, we minimize or exchange or we trade spaces. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you abundantly above all you can ask or even think. And if you are born again, you have that birthright. And if, you are not, if you're here this morning and you're not born again, you can have that birthright by entering into that relationship with God through Jesus Christ. At the bottom of our program, don't look now, but you can go on a website that helps explain what it means to know Jesus personally. And if you don't know Jesus personally, you say, this birthright thing, I don't have it. You can have it. And if you have any questions, you can email me, call me, anytime. Birthright. The gift of God to us by being born again. Once we've got it, let's live it. Let's not be trading spaces. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us so much by virtue of being born again. I pray, God, that we would begin to apprehend the incredible gifts that you want us to live out and that we won't live in some subpar traded space, but that we will live in the fullness of of the birthright that you've given us, all of the rights and privileges of a child of the king, And God, that we would realize that your love is so great that that you want to give us more and more and more all the time. Just like a parent loves to give to their children, you desire to give to us. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to embrace our birthright and that we would live in that place in possession of all that you have for us and in relationship of that. And we give you the glory. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for that. In Jesus' name. Let's stand, shall we?